I had to work. Oh, you you were commentating Brazil Croatia? No, Salgiris. Oh, okay. No, no, Salgiris, Salgiris. So um, I I I arrived at work earlier to watch Brazil Croatia, and I I was just praying that the game ends in the regular time. It didn't. Yep. Yeah, and in the extra time, when Neymar scored, I thought, okay, they're gonna finish right on, on time. time. Mm-hmm. I have the same story. And all of a sudden, Petkovic scores that. I would say it was a fluke, actually, because there's a huge ricochet off Marquinhos, and it goes to penalty shootout, and the first penalty taker is arriving, and there's a countdown to my headphones, like five, <laughs> four, three, two, one, and you're on air, and you could rewind the broadcast, and you could hear me saying like, "Good evening, everybody. Ralgiris FS, the Euroleague champions are in Konas, blah blah blah." Let's listen to the coaches. And then I stopped for <laughs> like listen to the coaches. <laughs> I stopped for like three minutes <laughs> to watch the game to watch the penalty shootout and the penalty shootout is still continuing. And after I said I said like the sold out crowd in Jalgira Arena, let's listen to the presentation. <laughs> and so I was with my tablet. I, I finished watching the shootout and then I Focused Perfect on, on on Jalgiris, and to be fair, in the second half when FS was already leading by twenty, I also you were had, watching had my the, tablet and I was watching Argentina. I have the same. I have the same actual story. Like <laughs> Brazil scored. Uh, we went into live LRT pregame show. Yeah, and uh, it's it was one zero, and we were like, okay, you know, they're probably not going to score. We we finish, and it's the first penalty shot of the of the penalty shootout so it was it was perfect and then when Jalgiris were up by uh, up down, down by a lot uh, fourth quarter was just a simple split screen action you know yeah i rushed back home I, I managed to make it for the second half and the worst thing is that tomorrow we have the same situation Jalgiris Vesda starts at 8 Argentina Croatia starts at 9 and people who know me they know as well that i'm praying for Messi to win the World Cup. So for me, it's really painful because honestly, we support Jalgiris, but a regular season EuroLeague game doesn't compare to a World Cup semifinal. So which, happens, which happens every four years. So. Yeah, exactly. So I would rather be there uh, watching football, but you that's, had, that's you the had, job. At least the final is on Sunday. I mean, not like on, in the middle of yeah, the week, but I, the EuroLeague game. I'm not sure if that's very smart for EuroLeague to do a double game week during the World Cup semifinals. Not at all. Why not would you all. do that? Like, Are you so surprised? I'm not, because they usually <laughs> clash with major sporting events. Mm-hmm. But in this case, you knew well in advance the schedule for the World Cup. So why would you try to do a double game, not try, do a double game week during this this moment. Hypothetical station, if you have Jalgiris game in the EuroLeague and Argentina playing in the final FIFA World Cup and the game is on Friday night and you had this assignment to work in Jalgiris game because it's the priority for your TV, how, would you try to find excuses not to cover that game but go for the football <laughs> he final? Will, he would. Uh, or uh, just watch the uh, final game? Fake COVID test. That that's what yeah, I think. Okay, he, okay. Al- he already said that. <laughs> Fake COVID test. I think that's the way to to handle this. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm still surprised you didn't do that for uh, for the last Friday game already. <laughs> well, 
I, I was kind of keep co- one COVID test. I was kind of confident that Argentina will overcome the Netherlands. So and, and the Jaguars are going to be. Uh, yeah, let's yeah, be real. You don't want to say it, but let's <laughs> be real. I didn't have too many expectations for Jaguars, even though after the first two quarters it was tied. By the way, before that game, I met a group of FS fans who went yeah. there to Konos from from Istanbul. I met uh, particularly Arda and Sadat, uh, two great uh, guys. They had flags, they had FS jersey. We met actually uh, minutes before the game. They are listeners of our pod, so they gave nice. uh, they they uh, wished um, to meet Ritas in person as well for another Ataman uh, expression, <laughs> but unfortunately they didn't. But anyways, uh, shout out to you guys. It's great to see Euroleague fans traveling. It's not like we're used to see FS fans traveling to EuroLeague away games. You kind of, we had these experiences because we have pretty decent um, number of Turkish people living in Lithuania. So from time to time, they go to Fenerbahce or FS games in Kona. So it's it's nice to see a particular group traveling and following the team. And of course, Mandira, our listeners, it's it's even more amazing. So yeah, shout out to you guys. Let's let's talk. Let's start talking about some basketball. Uh, but first, before uh, be that first guy who pressed like button before watching the entire uh, podcast. If you don't subscribe our channel, please uh, do it as fast as possible, and also give us five stars on all the audio platforms, probably because all these small things they really help us to grow. And on top of that. Uh, follow, uh, become uh, BN Plus members on basketnews.com slash plus for some extra content, just like uh, Rita's betting tips, Augusta's uh, breakdowns, Q&A podcasts. Five from five last week. Five from five. What five. a bounce back from yep. the previous week. One from five was the previous week, and, and then last week, five from five. I went with Monaco. I went with FS point spread. I went with Virtus total points under against Oli and I went with Maccabi point spread against Valencia and I don't remember the fifth pick but it was also ah. successful so you're if you're playing fantasy or if you're just betting on some games or you if you do it just for fun with your friends it's it's a it's a great material guys so join us on basketnews.com uh, slash plus and BN plus uh, community yeah we have a couple of games we will discuss uh, of course the nice uh, Bel- amazing Belgrade Derby partisan restar also interesting uh, end of the game uh, between Real Madrid and Monaco and for this episode we will have a um, segment about the uh, first EuroLeague trimester awards. I would say alternative first trimester uh, awards. Let's start from the biggest game of the last week. Uh, Partizan, uh, Red Star. Uh, probably the the most important thing was that we didn't have any incidents because we saw enough of ABBA League or Serbian League finals with uh, refs being attacked, players being attacked, uh, a lot of stuff uh, being thrown on, on the court even before the game, with players uh, getting hurt, with the suspensions of the game, with the continuation of the game, and basically all these games usually, probably on average, they take close to three hours in Serbia. In EuroLeague, there was nothing. And the, the best thing was that we you had away fans in the game. Because in Serbia and Adriatic League, it's not possible for Zvezda fans to participate in, in the game if Partizan is the host. Here, there was a special uh, tribune for Red Star fans. And after the game, Red Star players even stayed on the court to celebrate the victory with their fans. 
it it sounds like it's 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 some fake you know Hollywood movie where with a, a good ending. Of, yeah, with a good ending. When unbelievable. Why, ending, why do so. you guys think uh, you know in the Euroleague game there was there was nothing like that you know because there were some Euroleague stuff. Mm. Uh, coming to the game, or there were extra police that uh, you know were thrown out there, or I don't know, the Serbians okay. didn't want to make uh, a scene in front of the whole Europe. Be I don't know because the, because the dirt the, the there were the Serbian derby uh -huh. in the ABBA League like two, two weeks, weeks ago, I think. two weeks ago, yeah, on Monday, and uh, I turned uh, that game on, and uh, I had to wait nine minutes in the first quarter to see the referees going out for 30 minutes and uh, stopping the game. And uh, you know, it was like it was like I knew already before turning the game on that okay, we are going to see the game stopped, uh, the things thrown out uh, on the court mm -hmm. in what five, ten minutes, and uh, the atmosphere was crazy. Uh, you know, in the in the Stark Arena. And no, 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 nothing similar happened. So why do you think uh, it was different this time? Simply because it was a yearly game. Uh, I think it's it has to do something with. Uh, I mean, it's some, it's so weird because the same actually happens in games between Olympiakos and Panathinaikos. You can see the difference from them playing in the local league, all these fights, violence, net uh, around the court. And here in Euroleague, it's it's different. It's pretty pretty much it's peaceful all the time. They're facing each other. Uh, this in this time this in this case uh, i was told that there wasn't like additional police or uh, security mm. uh, forces for this game uh, you can't say that there was something exceptional being made before the game yes you really treated the game as a high risk game so there were more meetings uh, between the euroleague and the club they wanted to make sure that everything will be uh, smooth uh, but i mean nothing was different compared to what how the game is organized in Serbia because of course in Serbia and in, in local league local leagues nobody wants you know to experience that kind of violence but we just can guess maybe um, maybe it's, uh, it's the matter of punishment and fines by the Euroleague I think uh, fines in Euroleague are way higher in terms of of not just finding mm. the club with some financial uh, by some financial amount but also by um, some games without uh, yeah without which fans. is huge financial loss for the yearly clubs and basically you're just hurting your own club and there was interesting argument argument I was told by 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 one uh, colleague that in Serbia in the Adriatic League when the teams are playing in the finals they're competing for the Euroleague they're competing for the spot in the Euroleague. So for, for you as a fan, it's kind of your last chance to help the team, to boost the team, or to make this environment impossible to work for away players or the referees somehow to help your team. Although in a lot of situations, you kind of even hurt your team. Mm. But anyways, that's, that's the mentality. And of course, since it's only a local thing, a lot of things behind that happen. Pol politics uh, involved some some other things which we cannot understand as outsiders is involved so maybe maybe it's the, the main difference but for me it sounds still it sounds very I weird. saw that uh, documentary uh, one other YouTube channel made about the Derby Swiss cultures maybe yeah no? yeah mm. this, that that one and uh, it was just uh, a really well portrayed uh, let's say 40 40 or 50 minute documentary about the Derby with the all examples from the last year's games. And uh, you could just see the tension growing uh, every game. And they said it really well. Uh, you know, 
it's not guaranteed who wins the ABBA League gets the EuroLeague, but everybody kind of knows that it is like that. And uh, since they don't have the license, uh, you know, they're playing that final, if it's like, I don't know, the, the end of the world there. So maybe maybe that was the reason. Um, from tactical point of view, from the game, my biggest takeaway was just the difference between the derby in Serbia and uh, this one, how Partizan approached the game, let's say defensively, especially in the end. We saw before right here in, in the office, they were not switching in the end of the game, which is kind of weird for Partizan because in the derby, they were switching practically 40 minutes. 40 minutes of switching, uh, maybe not on, in all the situations, but a lot of in a lot of them, and they were letting uh, Zvezda play ISO and then coming to double late. One, two passes, and Zvezda were shooting wide open three-pointers. So they switched it up a little bit. They still use switching, but they more, you know, helped, stunted from the uh, one pass away. And Zvezda were prepared also for that because it's not, you know, something new that Partizan doesn't do. It's, it's, it's their tactic. And uh, it costed extremely a lot in, in the last minutes. We saw it was Luca Vildoza who is, was wide open for the three-point shot when they were uh, down by five points. If I if I'm not mistaken, and uh, yeah, so it was a pretty interesting point to see from the game. But uh, what did you think about Kevin Punter's decisions? Uh, I think now we're probably we will uh, see a lot of things how great Zvezda was, but at the same time, Partizan was just couple of op uh, a couple of open looks by Kevin Punter away from winning the game. I mean, uh, he was taking good shots and uh, him watching, missing those kind of shots, being him in those good situations. I mean, he made a lot of way uh, more difficult shots in his career. It reminded me the Milan's uh, game in the final four, no? Semi-final, yeah. Yeah, in the semi-final. I mean, with a great uh, look uh, beyond the arc, missing the shot and Carter Higgins hitting the game winner. It was even the same movement. Uh, if, you are, if you remember uh, a pump fake, Dribble to the left mm. and the and the three point shot he made yeah and exactly the same yeah just this time Nedovic hit the corner free and Corey was just in, on the top of the key I think I don't know for me it was uh, I mean it's Kevin Punter taking the shot so you can't be really upset about it uh, completely wide open but um, you know maybe my conclusion about it is he could have waited maybe to shoot in the last seconds and then Zvezda would have to shoot you know would have like five seconds to six seconds to grab the rebound run and then shoot some you know difficult shot in here Nedovic completely wide open he rested for like five seconds before taking the shot he seemed completely gassed out you know his arms were on his on his knees to to just wait in the corner and and you know a spot up shot to win the game you can't really ask for you know anything better yeah, he and was from six before that shot. That was crazy too, as well. Yeah. So huge confidence and just, you know, probably probably unconsciousness at that point because you know it's a tie game, so mm. there is no mm. pressure. You just need to shoot and yeah. Actually, Nedovic had some great stretches throughout the first three quarters. I would say the fourth quarter he was just forcing uh, some shots. But I I'm just impressed how Zvezda. It's not the first time when they bounce back from a tough situation. It started from the beginning. The way Partizan started the game was something else. I mean. Vildoza or Energy. anybody else, they couldn't pass the midcourt, actually. That's how intense Partizan's uh, defense was. And 
they created a very early double uh, digit uh, lead in the first few minutes. And actually, the, I think that the situation to turn around the momentum of the game was so important that Dusko Ivanovic actually he took the earliest coaching challenge in the Euroleague this season. He took the mm. coach uh, challenge in seventh minute of the game. They were down by 11. That's how important that was one rebound that still uh, he didn't win that challenge. But still, it probably shows how important it was for them to bounce back, to get their rhythm. And they actually managed to get it. And probably it's also related to the fact that it's not the first time when uh, the downfall of the game starts when they uh, start uh, when the bench players are coming uh, off the bench and they start, uh, start substitutions. And the same happened in the end of the game. I mean, the way they bounce back. I mean, watching Partizan being up by six points, I think, with three minutes, uh, minutes to play, I thought it's over. I mean, they made some good, important, mentally important shots. It it felt like, you know, as well as that this is it. They they will uh, raise their hands and now they, they managed to come back. I'm, I'm 100% sure someone will write a comment about that uh, missed offensive foul called on the rebound against Matias Lasort. Which is true. It was my minus six and it was uh, Cervenas Vesda momentum completely and that rebound, you know, they could have gotten the rebound, went into the offense and scored plus eight, the game is probably over. Instead, you are, uh, it's just the difference is four points and, you know, it's the game is up for grabs. So uh, that was a huge uh, non-call. And uh, talking about the rebounds, I mean, the way Matias Lazor started the game, six offensive rebounds in the first 13 minutes, and then just five in the first, four, and then just yeah. one. But but you know, he was taking those rebounds, and he he had like four uh, putback points. Uh, but then when whenever he couldn't uh, tip the ball in immediately, Partizan were never scoring from that. He had three offensive rebounds alone in one possession, and the fourth try finished in a turnover. So how frustrating it has to be for him, uh, for a player to get three offensive rebounds and your team can't score in four tries. So um, It was actually a pretty, uh, pretty awful shooting night. I mean, I remember that after the two quarters, I think both teams were like one from 16 or 17 beyond the arc, although they actually had some nice, decent uh, looks uh, throughout the game. So I don't I know. I mean, Ritis said it uh, well. He chose, you know... Uh, chose quality. quality. You chose quality <laughs> over the I don't know atmosphere and yeah. uh, and the derby. So exactly. yeah, the, def, uh, def, watched Monaco Real Madrid game. I was I was actually working. Uh, I I mean my my uh, I wouldn't say boss, but probably that's a strong word. Boss, uh, a person who's in charge of commentators yeah. in our channel just <laughs> asked me, "You want to go for the derby or you want to go for Monaco Real Madrid?" I thought about it for a second, and I, I realized mean, there that was Mike James in the equation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I realized I'm going to get I'm going to get more pleasure from uh, Real Madrid <laughs> Monaco. So I said, "Yeah, let's let's do it." Uh, but I think Partizans Vesda had bigger audience even in Lithuania, although the games were separated by half an hour probably. So mm. if somebody finished watching Partizan's Vesda, they still managed to make it yeah. to the fourth quarter of, of Real the, Madrid Monaco. To, to the best part. But honestly, after Monaco game, uh, it was a really extended game, not only because of the overtime, but also there was this almost 10 minutes oh, uh, stop Lloyd. because of Jordan mm. Lloyd. And it was really scary. So I got back home. I was really tired. I thought, should I watch uh, the Belgrade Derby? Uh, and I realized I just don't have it in me. So I just went through the highlights. I loved actually seeing uh, 
the reception for Alexander Mitrovic in 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 the yeah. arena. Mitro's on fire. <laughs> he he seemed kind of shy first at I first. Mean, I was watching the game this morning because I also didn't watch it live and just all the morning in between watching I'm like, you know, singing the song that the, the party song <laughs> song that we're sing, they were they they're also always singing before the game and I'm like, I don't know any of the words but I know that it finishes in saying the te- the team's name and I was like Partizan, <laughs> and then it's like all over again, you know. Yeah, yeah so you can get addicted to this uh, atmosphere. No, I mean the atmosphere. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing the derby in Cervenas Vezdas place because I know it's going to be the same crazy atmosphere, the same songs before, and uh, maybe the quality is not as good as in Monaco and Real Madrid's game. But you know, it, it's for me, it's one game that you really. Have to have to watch. I'm I'm looking forward to, to getting this uh, crazy T-shirt of uh, Dusko Ivanovic. There's I saw on Twitter somewhere on Twitter there's merch with. Probably you also uh, saw some. I think it was post-game interviews with Dusko Ivanovic and just hat, uh, giving the interview with, with the hat on himself, and you have this braid out of it and and he was in in, in, in in some kind of sweater not in his costume some, some people are surprised how he manages to switch from a suit uh, to practice uh, outlook uh, I would say and there's this great merch uh, it doesn't I, I think it's both in red and white of course it's restars merch and there's this just silhouette of Ivanovic this hat and and the braid you know being him being like that so it looks so cool so we immediately recognize who who it is on of the, course on the of course and it it would be nice fit for our uh, hall of fame wardrobe uh, of the pod because dushko is is creating history five uh, game winning streak one more one more to tie the record yeah zvisharf legendary zvisharf 15 years ago i think he he won six in a row after the head so coach and you change. have and you have Zalgiris, uh at home mm. as your oh, next game yes without without Brazdekis, without lekavichus yeah. is uh, thomas dimsha going to play carlos Tukashun? i don't remember but it seems, like, sure, it seems but like a COVID, is suffering it right seems now. like a covid uh issue yeah Kinda. <sighs> well you have in basketball, you have like the brow when you're talking about Anthony Davis, and all uh-huh. of a sudden you the have tail. the ponytail. Yeah, <laughs> talking about Dusko. Yeah, they're they're hosting uh, they're ghosting, hosting Jalgiris and then Milan in double round week. So that's a good, decent chance for Dusko to create to, to uh, tie history. the record and uh, to pass to, to, to pass, pass the record. Uh, yeah, and just 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 a few words about Dusko. I mean. The biggest change, Augustus did a great uh, video breakdown, actually. You can find it uh, on YouTube channel. What's on the YouTube. title of the... How Dusko Ivanovic rebuilt Cervantes versus defense. Yeah, and the biggest change, of course, was in defense. Because, for example, I checked Bibolytics, uh, uh, and the biggest statistical difference was that, okay, their offense still, uh, they're still struggling offensively. From 15th best, they managed to... Uh, grew up to 13th, but defensively from 15th uh, best uh, defensive rating. Now they're second best uh, team by defense. When I was when I was doing the video after I think it was three win game uh, one games they had the number one even mm. from 15th. Okay, to but you know one. it's even more remarkable to to get that in extended yeah. uh, stretch. And actually, just one one guy I wanted to, to focus on on this part was Luca Vildoza. I mean. To be honest, I I never was a fan of uh, Luca Vildoza, especially in his last years with Basconia. I was missing just confidence in his game, confidence 
shooting the ball or taking better decisions. To be honest, I thought that he's a little bit overrated player. And after his NBA experience, I mean, it was a, it wasn't the most remarkable NBA experience for him. He wasn't playing. I really. I was unsure what kind of Luca Vildoza we'll see. Of course, it's Red Star, it's a different caliber uh, Euroleague team, but still, and especially the most hilarious moment was that from what I've heard, he parted ways with, Bas I mean, he left um, Basconia for the NBA deal, but the last uh, season with Dusko, uh, he was playing for Dusko and Basconia, there was a lot of friction between them. And it didn't seem that Luca Valdez enjoyed basketball playing under uh, Dushko. Not not on a that level like Nick Stauskas, who didn't want to come to, to return to Europe mm. just because of Dushko. But I mean, it was it was really bad. And just imagine his situation: Luca Valdez is returning to Europe. Uh, maybe he is also a little bit unsure of his quality and status for this year league. He's playing for for Jovanovic, for and in four weeks, Dusko Jovanovic is coming back, I mean, taking over the club. <laughs> the coach you probably tried to run away, he's back and he's coaching you. And yeah, I mean, I think it's challenging, but probably in some time, sometimes we manage uh, to find some compromises of, or think things over and to, to take the best of that experience. And watching him play, I mean, I see him confident, I see him taking good decisions, I see him putting his heart out defensively, he's playing really intense basketball and he's very productive, I mean, scoring almost 14 points per game on 5% three-point shooting, 4.2 assists, three rebounds, 2.2 steals in this five-game winning streak. So mm. uh, it's nice to see Luka Valdoza thriving under Ivanovic. Just to, you know, to wrap up is, uh, I can't imagine Zvezda's starting uh, uh, roster for the season and how they look now. A completely different coach. There is Luca Vildoza instead of Jalen Adams. Uh, you know, you might be adding an another player right now, and it's just these. It's, it's, it's com completely different. Uh, completely different uh, roster and completely different uh, playing style, because as you mentioned, the intensity is now there. Let's uh, jump to the. Monaco, yeah, Real Madrid game. We're here to listen to this because watching these probably main highlights of the end of the game uh, and remembering what Ritas, uh, what we were talking about after the final four, for example, or in some other situations, I was like watching these plays and I'm like, oh, Ritas will have so much to say about this situation, about this situation, about that situation. So the, the uh, mic is yours. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, first of all, I want to say that uh, it was pure pleasure to watch this game and to cover this game. Um, both teams really played hard from the very beginning. This is the case where you have a high-scoring game, but it's not because lack of defense or lack of effort. It's just because there's a spectacular play after play after play. For Real Madrid, this game was important also because it was uh, Yabusele's comeback game. But at the same time, they were without Gabi Deg, who who is one of their most consistent players this season. Obviously, Janan Musa is really spectacular, and I continue to admire him every single week. And in this game as well, he had some incredible moments, uh, some clutch moments. Eddie Tavares actually had his uh, career record in rebounds. It was his career high, although you can see that in many situations this season, Tavares feels uncomfortable. He's 
not happy with some early calls and this sort of i don't know irritates him and then throughout the game you can see that he focuses a little bit too much on the refs uh of course he's dominant of course he he has a huge monster double double but at the same time he gets in a foul trouble and then chus mateo he has his rotation prepared and what i don't like about this pre-prepared rotation is that it puts some of your players out of rhythm then you face the situation where Tavares was playing extended minutes Vincent Poirier was pretty solid on offense in, in the first half but he only played less than five minutes and he was sitting on a bench for so long and then Tavares falls out and you just have to put uh, Vincent Poirier back on the court and he's cold and the same happened with with the point guards because now he has this sort of plan that he starts with Williams Goss for the first five or six minutes then Sergio Yul ent enters the game Afterwards, Sergio Rodriguez enters the game. Then Williams Goss starts the third quarter and again plays five or six minutes. And you sort of know when everybody's going to enter the game. But foul troubles happen. Injuries might happen. And I, I'm not so sure if that's the best approach. Uh, and then you see Chacho Rodriguez being back on the court again, being cold. And he missed some wide open mm -hmm. spot up shots. In the overtime, right? Usually he would bury those shots and, and he didn't. I think it was... Two missed shots in a row in the same possession because they had an offensive rebound. And what Monaco really did well, in my opinion, is uh, they didn't overreact to bad stretches because it's very easy um, to actually lose the game in your mind when you're in Madrid. It's it's Real Madrid, one of the best teams. Now you're down by eight in the fourth quarter. Uh, they hit some consecutive three-pointers. Sasha Bradovic takes a timeout. He encourages his players to fight till the end. They come back and they make a good play after a timeout, which is always uh, a very good sign. When when the team responds after a timeout with a good play, it, it shows that it's a really well-coached team. And, of course, uh, some things you cannot predict. What happened to Jordan Lloyd, it was really scary. Uh, I didn't know what to say on air at that time. And I was so relieved when I heard next morning that Jordan Lloyd actually himself tweeted uh, that everything's fine. Of course, he's going to need some time now, but it's glad to know that he's okay. His selfie was also amazing. But the craziest thing, in my opinion, is that Mike James was standing there on the court for like five minutes watching his teammates suffering. And then after those five minutes, he just makes the most spectacular play of the season. A four-point play over the stretched arms of the giant Eddie Tavares. I never Hollywood script. That is just... <sighs> Although I'm not oh. sure what's more impressive, you know, him probably him hitting that shot, but the decision by Walter Tavares to jump on Mike James. Yeah, it's not smart. Oh, you're man. you're up by four. You're just up by four. Give, give that three-pointer away just... Take the inbound and you're winning the game. Yeah, I do agree. And and Tavares was tweeting something like Mike James extended his legs. I give you that, but there was plenty of contact even on the arm. So mm -hmm. I think it was a it was a foul. Uh, yeah, I, I actually talked about that particular play with some, let's say, experts, and they told that his main problem was that even though Mike James kicked him, the problem was that uh, Tavares was moving forward. Yep. Although he tweeted that he was moving away, still the move was forward. So yeah. oh, there was no chance that Mike James was called for offensive foul or uh, Tavares wasn't called for a defensive foul. And you know, I still have a few talking points from this game, but uh, the crazy thing is that Mike James was fouled shooting a three-pointer before and he missed three free throws. 
Mm-hmm. So in this case, you know, like he has a free throw to tie the game, but mm. before he missed yeah. three in a row. <laughs> But he did uh, did hit the free throw. He did tie the game. And what what I was disappointed with is Real Madrid. Uh, they had four point three seconds to prepare the last shot. Mm, yeah, and they just didn't do nothing. The ball was given to their best player, but he had to take a shot from like nine meters away off the dribble. They didn't do nothing. Or the situation at the end of the four, extra time. Four seconds is more than enough to prepare some short uh, set. So you can free one of your players and and have a good look. Nothing well, was done. I'm looking at this play like, but decision by Jan Musa to pull up uh, with three seconds from eight and a half meters. Also, yeah. I mean, there is still three seconds left, and the the i the idea there was no other idea just to play ISO mm-hmm. and to make the gap to him for for him to attack right, and just uh, I mean he's pulling up with three seconds to go. But that's something you expect to see in the NBA. Like you give the ball to Dame Lillard, and it's Dame time. In Euroleague, usually when there's a timeout, and the mm-hmm. team is going for a game winner, you expect some action. Yeah. Nothing happened here, and I remember Real Madrid against Olympiacos. Same situation. The game is tight. They have the final possession. They just inbound the ball to Tavares, and he goes for a hook shot. Mm, Maybe yeah. that's something. Just no, that, that was that was uh, even worse. Even worse, it was worse. even worse than 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 because the execution there was wrong. They they tried to some yeah. la, la play yeah. it seemed, but there was another guy there, so you couldn't really throw it. This one at least, you know, the idea was clear, mm. but the idea was you know isolation play for Janan Musa, and uh, you know he just he he thought okay, Mike James can hit a random three pointer. I can do it. <laughs> I can do it as well. You know, so that's something for Chus Mateo probably to learn, uh, but. Learning from your mistakes is a good thing, but it seems that Real Madrid is not learning from their own mistakes. What happened in last season's Euroleague final? Re- replay of the final. Being down by one, the shot clock and game clock separated by like two seconds. They're not four fouling. Four seconds. I mean, four, but still, it's not enough and, and to get the rebound and to create the possession. And in this game, it was separated by three, three and a half probably. Yeah. And they just allowed Mike James to run the clock. And, did his and, best at you know and Mike the James shot created plenty of space to actually hit the dagger. Mm. So he makes the shot. It's a four point game. It's over. He misses. You need to grab the rebound. And what do you do? You, you take a a mid court shot at best. And I don't get it. It's such an experienced team with mm. so much experience. I'm not yeah. only talking about the coach. I'm talking about the whole team, yeah. the roster, the players. Mm. So True. many veterans. How can you not read these simple situations? It's it's not even like a basketball decision. It's it's common sense decision. Per, of course, probably it's, it was the order by the head coach. But I would love to see Tavares or Yuri, Rudy, any I mean, all these veterans protesting the decision to to, to replay their last year's yeah. final. Because I was actually watching the bench. What was their reaction uh, during the last last possession? They were not reacting actually, mm. so I was surprised that it was just one like, once again, you know, team decision to not to foul and not even question the situation. Yeah. And a few more quick takes. Uh, so first of all, it's so strange to see Mario Hazonia being used as a defensive player. He finished Online the game with zero points, but he had to work on defense against Mike James. He was fouled out. So it's kind of hard to see uh, an elite talent uh, mm. becoming a defensive player, mm. at least in this particular game. Another thing, uh, 
Elio Kobo and his confidence is rising. He's really having a good season. Uh, he was cold. He couldn't hit a three-pointer in, in, in this game. But when it mattered the most, when Monaco were down by five and the game was slipping away, he did make a clutch three-pointer that brought them back in the game, that brought them back in the position to at least force an overtime. And of course, in the last possession, it, it was kind of a difficult situation because James was penetrating. Then he had to kick the ball to Demo. Demo was not known for three-point shooting at least this season. He only hit one three-pointer, I believe. Could be. But he had to take it. He missed it. Then the whole sequence with Jordan Lloyd happened. And afterwards, you know what happened. So uh, these are uh, a couple of talking points as well. And another thing that I loved, uh, Chus Mateo in the end, I believe, of the second quarter, just put Elin Jai, the youngster, on defense against Mike James because he wanted a bigger body. And Mike all of a sudden realizes, oh, there's a teenager guarding me. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put him to school. <laughs> so he just went one-on-one -on -one in ISO and uh, a step back and Elin Jai was like lost somewhere. Uh, yeah, so it was a pretty impressive game. I loved it. I, I, I really believe that. Real Madrid and Monaco are both final four material teams, but uh, in this case, I saw Monaco being the better coached team. That's true, and I still can't believe how they didn't foul. Yeah. I mean, even Jordan Lauskas, I watched the game on EuroLeague TV, Jordan Lauskas was shouting all over the place. I really believe that Chus Mateo probably heard him somewhere <laughs> being on the sidelines. <laughs> Lauskas, what? It's again Olympiacos <laughs> final, no, no. <laughs> uh, not Olympiacos, but EuroLeague was, final. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and... Uh, I actually thought, when I gave the platform for you, that I actually thought that you... Uh, you will repeat yourself as well with this NBA rule, uh, which oh, you can bring to the union to the put in -game the timeouts. Time yeah, in-game timeouts. Yeah, yeah. At least, for example, the last minute of the game, one uh, one time uh, timeout for the team, you know, to yeah. stop the play with that rebound and like three or two seconds. Uh, that would be away. enough. You don't want to see the game decided with the full court shot. You want to see some sets, maybe something better than this Jalan Musa situation or, or Tavares, but at least to give a better opportunity <laughs> to score the ball and to create more more of these game-winning situations that yeah. makes the highlights it's and true. that makes the story. It's true. It's. Uh, I was thinking right now when you said about this, like Mike James shot with 2.5 seconds, I believe. Uh, what he could have done is, uh, I don't know if you've seen readers this on YouTube and you don't some NBA players have done, you know, uh, throwing the ball in the up in the air with like, if there is like two seconds left, you throw it at the last seconds of the shot clock and the ball comes back and there is no time left, you know, probably two seconds passes while the ball is still in the air. Of course, one time it didn't work and uh, the <laughs> other Peterson, Peterson, Peterson. Peterson. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So, shot. But Mike James could have done the same. The ball, uh, you know, comes back maybe with one or yeah. two seconds remaining and all Real can do. Yeah. First, you know, take the ball and just shoot, you know, uh, yeah. some, something like that. So, uh, I mean, how they didn't follow, I don't know, but the timeout rule would be, would be great. Just uh, imagine how much more drama, how much yeah. more game winners much we more would see. Much more buzzer beaters, yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's what we need. You, you, I, I also yeah. loved the, uh, how Mike James uh, explained his four-point play. On, on television, the reporter asked, like, talk us through all of that. And I, I'm still full of emotions. And Mike's like, um, <laughs> I pretty much knew that. I shouted to J JB that I'm going to get the ball. And I'm, I was pretty confident I'm going to shoot it. So I just 
shot it and went in. <laughs> just like you know, just just, just, just after, after it's sleep. So, it's you just know? a regular day in the office, man. What what do you expect? I mean, four point play to uh, <laughs> force the, the overtime. Virus. I mean, I do it for, bre virus, for breakfast. For breakfast, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. yeah, yeah, a very very good game. And again, it makes you wonder uh, about Real Madrid. How deep are they? Like, you see players They're injured. Too deep, man. You see. Gabi Deck with with a cap. You see Rudy Fernandez sitting next to him. You see Anthony Randolph there, Alosen there. You see some players entering the rotation in the middle of the second quarter. They have two teams. <laughs> mm -hmm. Actually, it's it's un, it's unfair. Actually, they should borrow some players for Milan. I don't know. Like Monaco would would be more than happy to have some depth because, for example, they have a player that is not performing at all in a Adrian Mormon. He's a solid EuroLeague veteran, but he's just not performing this season. But they have a, a, a rotation deep enough, you know, a uh, seven, eight man, nine, nine man rotation. Yeah. And uh, until you don't have injuries, that's more than enough. I mean, everybody knows the role. Everybody knows more or less your playing time. And the playing time is actually, you know, satisfying. Not, you know, probably, I can't, I can't imagine some of these Real Madrid players, you know, uh playing limited minutes you know mm. nigel williams goss you know if there were if there were two point guards he would play much more but now since there's three everybody has to get some time or, or you don't or you even don't play one so but i'm just saying like if monaco is clearly a guard oriented team and they would love to have good spot up shooters in other positions and for example adrian mormon just cannot buy a bucket right now mm. his percentages are terrible john brown he's always giving you energy but you cannot say that he's very effective on, on offense uh, so that mid-range only so, and also you have blossom game who's not very consistent shooting the ball alpha diallo is the only other consistent player offensively he's always giving True. you effort but he's also giving you points in the paint and he's a he's a solid spot-up shooter but anyway this Monaco team could be even better and it would unlock so much more if players like Mormon that are supposed to stretch the floor mm. could actually hit some I, shots. I believe he will get it going. I mean, we saw that for Anadolu Efes. Mm. He's 7 of 34 this season. Matunas is 3 of 12. And actually, Monaco's on the market. They're looking for a stretch for and probably it's related to the fact that maybe Mormon is not meeting up uh, their expectations. Maybe could because be he started the game, he played 4 minutes, and then he didn't come back on the court Yeah. after mm. that. Okay. Yeah, let's let's go for our last but the longest part of the pod, the longest alternative <laughs> first well. early trimester award. Okay, maybe we, we might be quick. We, we, we'll yeah, see. I, I mean, know. some of these are uh, no winners. See mob, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, probably, probably. But so, maybe you know, I'm thinking for me it is no brainer, and then you are going to say too. Yeah, but yeah, for so example, some of them, in, in, in some situations with some awards, I try to be original because you kind okay. of predict what somebody else might say, so you have to give okay, something okay. different. Let's go. Uh, and yeah, we have few alternative awards presented by Agnes uh, Sakavichus, actually. He made up all those... Uh, nice nice in, titles. Yeah, interesting titles. And uh, we actually, just before the part, I didn't tell it, uh, didn't say it to read this yet, but we eliminated this... Uh, award for the best stats and the lowest production, something like that, or the worst uh, team result. Best individual stats, uh, uh, empty not, stats. not empty stats, but yeah. not a good team player. Yeah, we want to be all positive. 
in this cool. segment. Okay, if you heard this, this awards, like we want to give positive on this awards. snowy Monday. We let's might go. we might do some negative awards, but maybe uh, next time. So yeah, let's start with the Mister Underrated, the most underrated player. That's been the toughest one for me. So I'm, I'm no, curious not, to not the toughest one. I have three names, and I'm going to go with. You have to pick one. Matt Costello. Okay, Costello. he was on my list from Basconia. Yeah. He was on my list. Okay. Could you and elaborate? I just, uh, you know, enjoy centers who can shoot. Uh, his energy, his intensity, and uh, to me, he seems like a player that every team would want to have as your, uh, you know, a good team as a backup center. And, uh, you know, whenever St Steven Enoch was, is, is not playing, he wasn't playing, uh, he was really doing a great job filling in. Um, and just, I think he's a little bit underrated in the context of the EuroLeague. I had another Basconia name in this category. You probably know Darius Thompson. Darius Thompson, but I think he's getting the recognition he deserves. Okay. He has bigger stats, and and also I had uh, Rodrigue Beaubois mm -hmm. in this category as yeah. well because you know you have yes. so many great names on another FS team, and not a lot of people talk about talk about him. Yeah. But he's been very productive this season, um, giving a lot of options off the ball. Um, but still, you know, he is an ex-NBA player and Matt Costello, uh, you know, is a little bit underrated name. Is it Probably the most underrated name for, for from those uh, three I had. Is it fair to say, like, Matt Costello is the Kevin Love of EuroLeague? I could say that. <laughs> Coming off the bench, yeah. knocking down three-pointers. Probably... He had status in the NBA before, you know. Costello was never recognized as some, let's say, big-time big, big -time player. He who... might be. I think he after this that. season, if Basconia makes uh, makes the playoffs, uh, you know, a lot of yeah players from that team will become bigger. Costello already names. has qualities that make him mm -hmm. an attractive player on the market, and I'm talking about uh, the elite teams. If you see guys like Amatim Bayer finding his his place in in the Euroleague champions. Uh, I could easily see Costello on any of, any of the top. Coming from a Foytmans, lower level, you yeah. Know, following Foytman's exactly. uh, uh, path, actually. Actually, I have as an un listed as an underrated player, but maybe now he is pr he is probably rated. But a couple of years ago, he was actually underrated by myself. So I have to talk about him. It's it's Nicolas Laprovitola, and okay. uh, could you imagine where Barcelona would be without Nico? He's the engine of the team. And he was the engine of the team in the second part of last season. And right mm -hmm. now he's their best guard and you could say their best player since Mirotic just recently came back on the court. Uh, La Provital is averaging almost 15 points per game, shooting 60% to from two-point range, 44% from three-point range, 4.5 assists per game. And the style of play he just gives Barca something different because we know it's a team being coached by Sharas with very strict rules and 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 the system they have to follow but La Provitola is just a game changer a breath of fresh air in the this Argentinian freedom He's yeah you know, a breath of fresh air in this strict system-based basketball and I just love watching him play and I think that was a very good um, 
uh, quote by Juan Carlos Navarro last season when he mm. said like La Provitola is the yep. player that reminds me of myself yeah. and I could see that actually with all these floaters and yeah. uh, the freedom when he has the ball I love him and I think he's underrated because people still don't list him as one of those top elite mm-hmm. guards in the EuroLeague but I, he should be in the discussion I, I, I believe and I was one of these uh, guys who thought that can he really repeat what he did the last year I was doubtful. I mean, there was Satoransky joining the team. There was Corey Higgins uh, coming back, and I thought that uh, Nico's role will reduce, but not at all. I mean, he's still so important. Uh, he's he's a pleasure to watch uh, in in this Barcelona team. Uh, I have a player uh, who I think is not getting enough credit in that team, or when everybody is talking about that team, because when everybody speaks of Real Madrid, it's Walter Tavares, now of course Janan Musa, there are some other great stars, but I believe that Gabriel Deck deserves credit for having amazing EuroLeague season uh, so far. He has career highs in every important department. Points, 12.9 efficiency, 16.9 rebounds, 6.5 assists, 2.3 and steals, uh, 0.9. He has second best plus minus in the entire EuroLeague. And I mean, in the games I watched, he was really solid and he's super solid all-around player. Very tough matchup. Uh, in a small forward position, he can play as a four. He made some important plays already this season. And I mean, it was a bit unfortunate timing for him. And he joined Real Madrid last year. It was already a huge booster for them. But it actually clashed the time when Real Madrid started their downfall. Uh, but now, I mean, of course, team started the season really slowly, but he was important piece of them getting back on winning track and having this extended uh, winning streak. So Gabriel Degg is a beast in, in, in this position, and he's super important and very uncomfortable matchup for, for the elite EuroLeague teams. So we have two Argentinian oh, yeah. players here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Best... Best bench must bench. have no bench must have player. So best bench player. Okay, Donato. So your answer is clear. You have Janu- <laughs> that's Janu- a strange Janu- way to f- to to give an award for Janu- uh, six Janu- men of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just six. I just try to be original, and uh, I I enjoy this these titles. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, nice. But I have the answer. Uh, the right answer. Okay, okay. Will Clyburn has answer. started six games from the bench. You cannot call yeah, him okay, okay, player, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Marco Kudric has started 12 games from the bench. Does he count then? All the games. Yeah, he does. He is. A, well, I the, mean, he's... Scotty Wilbekin is the starting guard. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I mean, we, we're not talking that yeah. the, the guy doesn't finish games. We're talking about someone who... Yeah, that was, that was uh, my thought process as well. Because... Uh, you know, Marco Guderic and Kostas Lucas, uh, but uh, they're both, you know, players that have started games from the bench. Mm. And uh, I don't know, I just wanted to appreciate how great Marco Guderic has been this season. Yeah. He see, It seems like he has a little added some energy to his step compared to last season. He has been great shooting the ball. Uh, 60, 40, 80, I think, are the percentages. 12 points uh, in, you know, 20-something minutes of playing time. And uh, he has been, you know, it's it's not easy to play uh, when you have a, a guy like Scotty Wilbekin in front of you and to, be co- to remain confident, to uh, be active every time you step on the floor and to make good decisions. 
uh, is what keeps him playing a lot and um, keeps uh, Dimitris Dudis confident in Goodrich. So I think he is making an extra step and I, I think he's the best bench player, you know, if, if he counts as one for you guys. I agree. Marco, Marco is great. The biggest question mark for him entering the season was can he play next to these ball handlers, as I mentioned, Scott Wilbeck and Nicolaitis, because among some basketball people, they've always questioned if he can deal with his ego, with his mentality of being secondary or, third, you know, the third ball handler of the team. So far, he was amazing. I mean, the confidence, how decent he is on the court, and he's playing on his contract here. So I believe that he will, he for sure earns a solid paycheck for the next couple or three seasons after he finishes this one. I'm interested to hear your options. I have to go with Lucas. I mean, what else there what else can I say? I know he's a closer. It doesn't really matter whether he starts the game or he enters uh, from the bench. It it probably just gives Barsokas more balance when he starts with Walkup and and Cannon and then Lucas enters the game and starts doing his uh, his thing and he plays 25 minutes per game and he obviously is always there on the court to finish the game and he is as I said a closer. And Mr. Consistency is probably how we should call Costas Lucas right <laughs> now. He can do better shooting free, actually. It's only 25% this season. Maybe he loves the mid-range more than he loves the free, but either way, he's so clutch. And I think anyone, anyone would love to have Costas Lucas as their point guard in Europe. Facts. Anyone? So my answer is, que- is clear. Right. Yeah, no, like, yeah, we can go to the best highlights. This player. award was just made for for me to mention. Like, <laughs> just just some facts. I mean, he scores five point eight points in the four quarters, which is Still. second best next to Will Clyburn. He's making sixty four percent three point shoots in the four quarters. He's not afraid of anybody. He's always involved in all these trash talk situations. Sometimes it ends not so good for him, as in this case with Mike James, for example, in the game against Monaco. But when you're his opponent, you hate him. Uh, when you're a teammate of, of of the snake, you just love him. So I mean, I agree with you. Both Lucas, uh, both Goodrich, Will Clyburn, anybody else, of course. If that would be a, a six man of the year award for the entire season, for sure these guys are in front. But we have to give him at least some credit for this first trimester uh, award ceremony. For so sure. Lenazakis is my pick. The next white, the next one, highlight machine, the best highlights player. That, that for me, I thought uh, Ritas and I have the same answer. I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, what do we consider a highlight? So I actually have a strange pick, maybe. Derek Williams. Mm-hmm. Derek mm-hmm. Williams Derek had Williams. a 19-point quarter. Uh, Derek Williams put up a show in Jalgir Arena Fast break dunks, uh, fadeaway, one-legged fadeaway shots. Uh, this season, when he gets hot, he's really entertaining. Making every shot possible. He probably takes. he's one of the best dunkers in, in, in the EuroLeague. I mean, we know those power dunkers like Nebo or Hall, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about someone who can do a windmill. And that's Derek Williams. So... This season, he has been actually a human highlight machine, at least in EuroLeague's context. It's it's kind of hard in EuroLeague sometimes to make these spe- spectacular plays. It's not like we have uh, Zion Williamson or or Giannis under the Kumpo in the league, but Derek Williams, this season, he's been fun to watch, really. 
You, Augustus. Mike James. That's what I, I mean. I that's was just, what I was talking about. Like Mike James had a lot of spectacular plays, but when we're talking about highlights, sometimes you want to focus on spectacular dunks. No, but Derek well. Williams is, I would say, the best dunker in 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 the Euroleague, mm. and it's always uh, entertaining entertaining to see him in the fast break and go on those crazy runs, as you mentioned. But just Mike James, the sometimes you don't really believe with your eyes what you have seen as this free. Uh, plus the foul. I mean, the the replay from from the back, uh, where you see that how the the ball was going so high up just to to throw that shot, and uh, the camera from the side, the main camera had to zoom out during the shot a little bit just yeah. to take all the arcing. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, and you know all these uh, assists uh, while jumping, no looks, uh, bullet passes to the corners for me. I love those off-balanced mid-range shots where he uses the backboard. Yeah, I mean those are so difficult. Maybe when you just watch basketball, you don't realize how difficult it is to make a shot like like that. It's so difficult, and he oh, does he take, it. He takes the most difficult shots in the yearly for yeah. sure. I so. I actually also had Mike James. I had a tough with this one because we have very two two very similar awards highlight machine and looking forward to which is most fun team or player to watch so mm. my my answer is related to monaco and mike james if we have to you know exclude the individuals that's 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 mike that's mike james for sure uh because it's the highlight is also him trash talking with Will Clyburn in one game, then you know, uh, killing uh, Yanulis Lerzakis in the Olympiakos game. I mean, that's that's also the highlight for me. That's whether it's on or off the court highlight. It's it's Mike James. So looking forward to most fun team or player to watch for you guys. Just Monaco, and yeah, I, I don't think I should repeat myself. I have Basconia. Yeah, okay. Most fun team though, to yeah. watch. Fair enough. Uh, but is it Basconia, particularly in Buesa Arena? Uh, or is it Basconia? Uh, yeah, I, I have to make this one a particular answer, you know. Because exactly. you need a disclaimer. Basconia, but at in, home. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Their offense works different in uh, yeah. when, when they're in, in Vitoria. Uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful to watch their spread offense and... Uh, Marcus Howard, uh, before Pierre Henry came, he was put, putting uh, on a show every time he mm. stepped on the court. Uh, Pierre Henry is also an entertaining player. He can make the crazy play, then he can make a crazy play in not in that kind of good way, but it's still entertaining to see. Um, everyone can shoot, even, you know, Matt Costello, as I mentioned before. So, and uh, Peña Roya has been doing a really great job with has been, has done a really great job with that team so uh, actually Basconia has a tradition of playing uh a lot of fast breaks and playing up tempo basketball uh, coaches change there all the time but the culture doesn't they usually have mm -hmm. a roster that is basically built for up tempo basketball they have a lot of players that love to run in the open court and it has yeah. been like this for 20 years i believe and the guards that they have signed the rec uh, you know recently have all been uh you know Shane Larkin Mike James uh, Marcus Howard i mean you can see Darius the, Adams you can see the pattern here i mean they're all top top scorers and uh but you know the coach also for me adds to this equation because Penroy has some really interesting ideas really interesting you know set plays that uh you know go viral on twitter uh, after so it's really nice to see them play.
I didn't foul. Uh, award oh, wait, goes to a for you most fun team most. to watch. Monaco? Monaco, yeah, Monaco. Oh, okay. I yeah. won't extend because we already yeah, sure. enough. A player about. that complains the most. This was yeah. the the hardest for me. I don't know. I mean, Luka Doncic in the in, <laughs> in the NBA is an easy one, but I I don't have one player that now you know stands out. Yeah, actually, Luka put the standard so high that now <laughs> exactly after the Eurobasket him. Yeah. Uh but I will I will go with the Colo. Okay. Because True. these vets they he's known for flopping and sometimes when he doesn't get things his way, he starts complaining and you can see him all the time just mumbling something on the referee like uh, he's not happy, he didn't get the call. He probably well we should consider him a star in the EuroLeague, even though he's a veteran and playing for Asphalt. He obviously considers him uh, a big-name player. And now you're playing for Asphalt. You're not playing for Fenerbahce. So it's <laughs> not that you're going to get those and extra free throws. And you're losing. so And you get frustrated because of that yes, also. Yes, and I, I respect his game a lot. But he's been known for many years as a player who, who tends to complain and... And the other teams don't like playing mm -hmm. against him because he flops uh, a he lot. Likes to create fouls. Yes, yeah. exactly. So maybe good, I good can pick. pick him, but I I could say that in Euroleague we have a pretty good player referee relationship. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't Compared see to too much hate towards the refs from the players, and I don't see too much arrogance from the refs towards the players. Maybe it's because also you know Euroleague refs do such a great job. Maybe yet you know. Every referee is a human person. They miss one call, but they respond to your, you know, you're maybe complaining and they respond to you. Okay, I missed mm. one call, but, you know, I'm going. It should Actually, be technical. I, I, on this, I could this mention another name. I could mention Vasilia another name. Vasilya Mitic, maybe? That's another one. Horrible to but mention. What I wanted to say is that the player barely played this season. This is uh, this is why maybe it's a little bit unfair yeah, because to first talk about award, him. Yeah. But Marius Grigonis, oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember his last season in Jalgiris when he was really shooting the lights out? But no, he's surpassed the Colo, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that year exactly. the award went for him. I actually had Matt Costello because he's the only oh, guy who can, that's a good, who can elbow you one, in the one. head. You can just black out from that situation and he's like, what? Foul for me, it's a bullshit. And he goes to the referee. Remember, remember that game against Jalgiris? Uh, All Basconia team were going crazy, or uh, about no maybe no not but not not Jagger's this game. This play was from uh, the other game. Other game Basconia had. Olympiacos. I don't really remember, but I was like watching that play. Obvious, yeah. you know, he hit the guy in his head by his elbow. Obvious call, and he's complaining so much as he is you now saying that. But it oh, was the whole Basconia team in that game. Yeah, that's true. I remember, especially until the end of the game. And maybe it was yeah. Partizan or Olympiakos. I don't, uh, I don't remember really. It was well, just but funny to see five players going around yeah. the court like this. And Getraitis was called for some fouls, also with uh, clear every, fouls. Everyone was. actually can make this list as well. Uh, so many Lithuanians I'm mentioning now. Yeah. Okay. So that's why they signed me award best summer signing. Is it so hard? We could just say it all at once. One, two, three. Will, Will Cliver, Nicolaitis. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Expand your. Yeah. I mean, difference. I I knew you're probably gonna choose Will Clyburn, mm. oh, and. Okay. Uh, 
for me, it's more because of how he was portrayed last season. And Fenerbahce still still went and said, uh, we are going to get this guy. He's our main point guard. And he is going to be the same player that he was a little bit before. And they're at the top of the league. And I know if we are giving out this award at the end of the season, it's probably going to be Will Clyburn. I agree, guys. But for the first trimester, I had to go with Nick and uh, how he has bounced back. His shooting percentages, insane. They are in the first place, which let's let's say we did not expect that. We predicted sixth or seventh um, before the season. So Will Clyburn is probably going to be you know, the winner of this award after the end. But for now, Nicolaitis. I mean, just to expand about Will, the meaning of this award, like, that's why they signed me. I just thought that, okay, we pay you two million, we sign you as a very important player of our team, and you have to produce in every single game. And he's doing that. I mean, no matter who is playing, whether whether it's yearly game or Turkish league game, he's playing like, he played probably 50 minutes in this Karshiaka double overtime game. 47 and 48 minutes in him. Yeah, and he's delivering on, on both leagues. And I, I was actually told that he's that guy, he's playing 47 minutes and during the timeout, he's not even sitting on the bench. He's just standing <laughs> there and listening to, to the orders. Uh, and I mean, for me, Will is an amazing example uh, when you're reading the game and situation well and how you approach your career, how far you can go. Uh, he n was never known as a three-point threat before since his playing years uh, in Darjofaka. He was just a 29 three-point shooting percentage uh, a special specialist, a three-pointer. Uh, but now he's like, averaging more than 40%. He's taking tough shots. Uh, he increased his career high by five points. And you can say that, yeah, Shane Larkin is not playing, but I mean, Will Clyburn is delivering. That's what was expected from, from FS owners. They made a very risky move by signing Will Clyburn in terms of uh, pay him that kind of money in a situation where they were not sure if Larkin or Mitzich goes to the NBA. And actually, I heard that it created kind of some additional financial problems because FS, they were quite sure that one of them for sure they will go into NBA. So now we have Will Clyburn, two million player on top of your, uh, you know, other two salary, two salary cap. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's the best part about Serious Will. Money. He's delivering. And sometimes you can feel that he doesn't care because in his body language is like, I don't care. He's so ice, ice cold, ice blooded uh, assassin that he might have this, you know, you might have his different view watching him play, but actually it's not. He just wants to kill everybody. And even the, in this Karshiaka game, he plays four to seven minutes. He has huge usage offensively. And in defense, he wants to stop Eric McCollum in the last play. I mean, he's he's ridiculous. He, he really deserves this award. And for sure, he's in the MVP of the season race. That's a fact. Nothing to add. Nope. Okay. Do we need to say something um, about Will Clyburn? <laughs> the best wet so far. Actually a hard one, I don't know. You mentioned all those things about Nicolaitis because I had Nick uh, on my best wet. Where do we draw world. the line who's yeah, exactly. and who's not? I mean, Nick turns 34 in February. I think it's uh, I don't know. We're talking about wets, no? Nando de Colo I had. He's like 35 or 36. I mean that that's a that's a tough conversation. Uh, for we me, should like, set some rules. But I, I was going through the players and not there is Euroleague is 
has less veterans probably than than ever. I mean, all the main guys, Felipe Reyes, Yankunas, role player veterans. Exactly, right. like you know, Printezis Panulis left, and uh, yeah, we have Rodriguez and Yul in Madrid, mm-hmm. or Rudy, Rudy Fernandez, Badejus uh, role players, Brian Dunstan, like helpers, you could say. And if we're talking about the veterans being key players, then that's Nikolay is running the mm-hmm. show in Istanbul, and Nando De Colo leading Asphalt. Asphalt, mm. and probably you're picking f- out of these two. And uh, should I go with Kalaitis? The team is leading the standings. 35, Nicole. But then again, you're not expecting Asphalt to lead the standings. They are where they are supposed to be exactly. with four and eight. But just recently, the Colo... Nick is 33. Yeah. He turns 34 in February. Yeah. And the Colo just recently hit the dagger mm-hmm. against, Bar- against Barcelona. So, is Luke Sigma a veteran in your eyes? A EuroLeague veteran? So maybe I could go for Luke Sigma. He had some. He's thirty-three. Or thirty-three. 34. Yeah. So just like Nick, uh, yeah. of course, Nick has been in the Euroleague longer, um, but Luke Sigma, mm-hmm. I know he had some tough games recently, and sometimes when he faced very physical opponents, they push him out of his comfort zone. He might struggle, but he's probably the guy you expect to do a triple double. Nick Kalaitis is one of those guys. Also, they're probably top two favorites, uh, and out of love for Luke Sigma. I'll pick him. Mm-hmm, okay. He's been loyal to Alba Berlin, although we know he has more than enough quality to play somewhere else and compete for the title and maybe earn more money. But he's been there in Berlin for quite a while, and I always love watching him play. Even though, as I said, like in the last game, for example, against Fenerbahce, he really struggled because they were very mm-hmm. physical on him. He got in a foul trouble, etc., etc. Yeah. And what was your pick? The call. The call. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So the next one, one of the last ones. Uh, fine. I'll do it by myself. Best player with least help. Nando the call. He. Yeah. Exactly. That's that That's fits true. the description of having least help because if you go for like Mike James winning games on his own, yes, he does that, and he makes four point plays. But can you say he yeah. doesn't have help in Monaco? He has a lot of help. I honorable mention Lorenzo Brown. Lorenzo Brown. It's not that they lack quality in the roster, but they lack chemistry and good coaching and Lorenzo has to do it on his own. But and, the problem, and the injuries right now. Yeah. And the problem is that sometimes but Lorenzo But I mean the still wins this category. That's true. That's that's a fair point. I just want to be a little bit more original original with this one. I I go with Dwayne Bacon. Uh, I was inspired by his last performance against Milan. He scored 31 points, and if my good colleague, uh, well-respected Greek journalist Chris Kouridis is not lying, he scored 29 of his 31 points unassisted. And he leads the EuroLeague in ISO plays, attempted 5.3, and ISO uh, plays made two per game. For example, this Mike James is second with 4.4 and 1.8 uh, made. And for example, the third one is Lorenzo Brown with 3.3 ISO plays. So this is a huge difference between him and, and Bacon. With Bacon, I mean, Pau, uh, 5 and 2 since uh, his arrival. You cannot say that he doesn't have any help in Athens, but at the same time, again, a lot of players were in and out. Walters, Gregonis, and offensively they were lacking of uh, some some more force. But I think I but have yeah. a better better example. It's Chris Jones, 
and you get the mm-hmm. answer how important Chris Jones is to Valencia when you see Valencia without Chris Jones. <laughs> mm. Because without Chris Jones, they're, they don't even look competitive. With Chris Jones, they can beat anybody, at least uh, at home, or they did beat Olympiacos away from home. And Jones has been their key player, and they're very dependent on him. So I would wh- say Chris Jones over Dwayne Bacon. I would say so. Because like Dwayne Bacon... I mean, he is the best in ISO situations. So you 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 just you just give the ball him in in these and and let him play. And you know, looking at the his teammates, you know, you have Derek Williams, Papayanis, Nate Walters, and uh, you know, if Pau has uh, Papayanis, you have Eve Spons playing the uh, center position mm-hmm. in in as well. So just more help probably around around Dwayne Bacon, but. Uh, yeah, he, he does it himself. himself. Okay, the next one. Most generous, best passer award. Most generous. Most generous. Oh, yeah, most generous. Uh, most generous passer. Or best passer. Best passer, yeah. Nicolaitis is the best passer. Nicolaitis is the best passer in the league. Nobody can pass the ball the way he does. Sometimes he does it like Magic Johnson. And he has the same passes uh, that he did last year to Nikola Mirotic. Right now he's passing to John Motley yeah. and others. And the way he sees the court, he scans the court, the, the court, the court all the time in mm. transition, sees the mismatches in the fastest, in the fastest possible way, way in the all EuroLeague. It's but again, uh, there are five players in the EuroLeague that are averaging more than six assists per game. And I just love to see Luke Sigma, Luke Sigma in that company. Because all the other players are obviously point guards. He, Lukas, Mitic, Brown, and, and Kaledis. Luke Sigma is the first big since Nikola Vujic uh, that made top 10, actually. Vujic was in the top 5 uh, 15 years ago, playing for Maccabi in 26 and 7 season, with 3.9 assists on average. Luke Sigma actually averages 6.1. And from his assists, uh, Alba scores 14.6 points per game out of 81, which is 18%. And it's just, it, this is the third biggest uh, impact, uh, even among the best passers in the EuroLeague. And you can add uh, his uh, uh, scoring average, which is 8.6. So we're kind of getting one-fourth uh, one of all Alba points uh, created by Luka Sigma. So just to give him credit, just because I knew that you, you're going to go with uh, Kalaitis, <laughs> I took uh, Luka uh, Sigma for this award because it's just amazing to see the big uh, and and on the top of, of, of these best passers in the EuroLeague. We have a lot of great points guards uh best transition so the last award goes for the best rookie of the year league so far one two three say one. Uh, <laughs> okay one two three jonathan, jonathan motley <laughs> okay and there's no competition actually there are some players who are performing and they're balling yeah but there's no one uh, close to jonathan motley and the impact that he has number wise Consistency-wise, importance-wise, the team is winning. Impact on the court. Um, you may, you can mention anything. Like, yeah. like you said during the season, or was it before the season that you might expect him to make the All Euroleague first team? or second team? First or first, second. So at mm, least first time a rookie could do. It. At least the second team is a lock, and now we're discussing about the first team. At center mm-hmm. position, you don't see anyone playing better. Like, 
before the season you would easily predict Eddie Tavares to be it, yeah. But right. right now, I would say that Motley has been even more impressive. So what else? What else can we say? Yeah, and even if not the first team, I mean, he can, he can become a at least second team lock, and it's already a huge accomplishment. I mean, I think he he would be the first Euroleague rookie to make the at least second team since uh, Anton Randolph and Ekwe Udig, Udo. I think. I think it was 2016 or 17. Yeah, yeah, something like that. That's, so, yeah. that's huge. I that's think huge. last one was uh, Ekpe Yudo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember doing that prediction spot. and uh, mm -hmm. There mm. was Anton Randolph. I think Anton yeah. Randolph was also there yeah, they because both, he was coming from but uh, I think, Krasnodar. Uh, Yudo was the last one, probably, but whatever. Mm. Yeah, this is it, guys. Unless you have something to say about Alper and Shengun. What's your impression Maybe. about him? Should, as Nikola Jokic, as Joker told, should Rockets play mm, through <sighs> him more? Man, they could play more through him, and he has uh, plenty of skills. Although I would love to see him improve his uh, shooting, because if you are a big man that has the ball a lot and creates the offense, you're also ex people also expect you to knock down some shots. And so far, he, he's pretty good mid-range game, but the three-point shooting has been off. But the thing is that. Houston Rockets don't need to win games. They don't need to True. prepare any tactical, strategical decisions that might lead to more wins. And playing through Alper and Shingun, it's a process. Maybe you could have a bigger usage, but it doesn't really matter at the moment. It's not what the Rockets are here to do. They are growing a group of young players and... At the same time, they're tanking for more lottery picks. That's it. I, I really hate talking about teams, mm -hmm. NBA teams, that are not in a position to compete. To win. Yeah, because you can and overact easily. In this context, it's kind of difficult to judge talent and players. And, for example, it's not only Shingun. They have uh, Green. They have Kenyon Martin Jr. These are promising players, promising young players. But... In the future, we will talk about them mm. when the Houston Rockets are competitive. But right now, you know, you said the big man has to have a you know improve his shooting. I mean, Domantas Sabonis is doing pretty well in the Sacramento without the without the jump shot, and uh, yeah. their offense is amazing. And just watching the Rockets play, you know, it's Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. Dribbling, 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 shooting the mid range, and then getting a transition bu bucket on the on the other side. So, but I agree with you. The NBA is tricky because when you don't need to win, it's you know there is a lot of stuff behind the doors. And uh, I mean, I believe Rockets would be better offensively with Shingun getting more touches. But if they don't need it right now, if they don't see it, even though I don't agree, like not playing through Shangun doesn't allow him to grow as a player and it's it is important because I believe the Rockets imagine him as one of the pieces for you know future success so not playing through him as much is a little bit strange for me so you can that's it find more detailed uh, Augustus uh, breakdown on our basket news uh, YouTube channel Rockets limiting Shangun is a mistake a statement double round week uh, this week uh, guys do you have any games you marked i know that Regis already told that he he feels bad about argentina and uh, jalgiris and zvezda but besides that besides that if if there was no football fenerbahce oli true monaco bars 
Monaco Barca. Another amazing game for the next round. Uh, that's pretty tough. We will be following if uh, Zvezda and Dusko Ivanovic will make history. They are hosting Milan. Uh, Fenerbahskonia, two exciting teams uh, playing. Barca, Barca Panathinaikos. Okay. Barca Panathinaikos and Partizan FS should be should be cool. Thanks a lot, guys, and see you soon next week.